gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. Welcome to Mondo Hollywood on 101.5 FM in Winnipeg. My name is Amanda Stefaniak, and today we're doing something a little different to celebrate the year 1989 in film. This past week, I was a guest on Ultrasonic Film, hosted by James Borsa, which airs right here on UMFM every Thursday at 10 p.m. So I thought I would take that episode and add some music for some of the movies that we talked about. And we started off the show with Prince's Party Man from the Batman soundtrack, which was the big summer movie released that year. And without further ado, here's the rest of our conversation on ultrasonic film. To see the music that's being played on today's episode, or to subscribe to the podcast, please visit my show's website at mondohollywood.ca. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Ultrasonic Film. As always, I'm your host, James, talking about movies, movies, and more movies. It's a very exciting and special show for me. I'm welcoming once again a great collaborator here on UMFM, Amanda Stefanik. Amanda, welcome back to Ultrasonic Film. Hey, James. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you back. Of course, Amanda has a show, Mondo Hollywood, which focuses in on soundtracks and great music from the movies. And that is on Sunday at noon. I try and catch it all the time. It's it's a great show, Amanda. And uh, I'm glad to see that, uh, like like myself, you're still able to keep doing it during uh, during all of this COVID time. Yeah, and actually, I kind of like it more a bit. Awesome. So today we're going to do a show about 1989 movies, movies that were released in the year 1989. And boy, oh boy. Uh, we may have bitten off more than we could chew here in an hour. There were a lot of films that were released that year. What, what weren't there? Yeah, and that's the uh, 1989 was the year I turned 10. So, and I'm pretty like just looking at the list of movies that came out. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw most of these in the theater because you know, <laughs> uh, like a small town theater, there's nothing else to do, so you go see whatever's playing. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. I was about a little old, older than you, I guess, about 14 or 15 in 1989, and my, one of the most striking images is probably the first film that I want to talk about and that is the uh, the film Batman which of course was an enormous uh, hit in 1989 I can remember busing down to the old St. Vital cinemas before it became Silver City St. Vital by myself and going to see this film because at 14 or 15 years old um, you know, and it was rated PG. I was seeing a lot, a lot more movies in the theaters. And like yourself, I remember seeing a lot of these films in the theaters in that year. And of course, Batman was one that uh, got a lot of attention, uh, was the highest grossing film of that year. And it's certainly a good one to kick off. I also remember that year fairly well. And I remember that the general overall media, of course, this was way before the internet or blogging or anything that was going on. But the general overall media were stunned when Michael Keaton was cast in the role of Batman because he was seen primarily as a comic actor, you know, Mr. Mom, all of that. And uh, actually, he uh, ended up being one of the best Batmans. He did a great job. And of course, uh, casting Jack Nicholson as the Joker was a very, very appealing casting choice that struck a lot of people as definitely the right move. What was your take on Batman? And did you see that in the theater in the small town when you were 10? Oh, for sure. Yeah, like Batman was big. And and I do remember, yeah, the the hubbub about, uh, yeah, Michael Keaton, who at the time, he just came off of uh, Beetlejuice the year before, uh, directed by Tim Burton as well. And don't forget, too, not only was uh, Michael Keaton controversial, but just the uh, Batman, the Dark Knight kind of, because um, remember, the 60s show is like all colorful and, you know. Right over the top and uh, yeah, this was serious. Um, but yeah, it was of course a huge hit. And I, can't, I, I, I think I've seen it more than twice in the theater. Uh, how about you? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. There are several films that I've seen in 1989, uh, several times in the theater. And I think Batman was one where I, I definitely went back. But yeah, it took a very dark uh, take on the comic book, which yeah, of course even got darker as the years and different adaptations of, of Batman uh, came out. And but the 1989 film holds up quite well. It feels very much like an exuberant comic book, and uh, the performances are fun. The pacing is fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's uh, it's tongue in cheek. It's well cast, and uh, yeah, I was thrilled recently when they said that Michael Keaton would be returning 
to the role of Batman in some kind of alternate universe? They're looking into that. Have you heard of that? Yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm really excited because Michael Keaton is actually my favorite Batman, and Batman <laughs> Returns is is really the like my, my all time favorite comic book movie. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it'll be interesting to see him kind of uh, uh, capture that role as well. So, what's your first film from 1989, there, Amanda? What have you got for us? I guess because we're talking about movies that we saw in the theater as kids, I'll start off with actually the only, funnily enough, the only movie on my list I have seen in the theater. The other ones were all ones. I watched like after, cool. um, but uh, that is Joe Dante's The Burbs. Yeah, starring Tom Hanks and uh, Bruce Dern, Carrie Fisher, and Rick Dukeman. And well, I guess Carrie, uh, Corey Feldman has a small part in there too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, one of my favorite uh, black comedies, probably, I guess would be the best description. But it's just like uh, Tom Hanks is like on summer vacation in his suburban neighborhood, and he has a bunch of creepy neighbors and he just spies on them. They turn out to be uh, cannibals or whatever, you know? <laughs> so, and, and of course, there's a Joe Dante movie and, you know, if you've seen, if you're familiar with his work, it's kind of a comedy horror too. It is. Um, it's a little edgy. It's a little dark. It's a little out there. It's completely different from almost all other films that were released at that time. Yeah. And I don't know if it, it probably did okay, but. Um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a huge box office hit. Um, in fact, even a little bit disappointing, but I remember an interview with Joe Dante where he would say he would go to like dentists offices and stuff and they'd go, Oh, you directed the burbs. I love the burbs, you know? So it's really become kind of a cult film. And uh, it, there's a lot more going on in that film than meets the eye, particularly on the first viewing. Yeah. Oh, and then like then the like the the neighbors that are the the creepy neighbors are like Henry Gibson from like Laughing and like Brother <laughs> Theodore, which is like this weird uh, beat comedy uh, guy. But it's very much like about paranoia and things like that, and just spying on your neighbors. So it's kind of I don't know. It feels like people still do that today. Yeah, you know, it's entirely possible, and it's kind of a film that holds up very very well again. Uh, when you rewatch it today. One interesting note on this one too is that uh, Dante very specifically shot the film in order so the cast could improvise into it while they were doing it. And a lot of the film apparently was improvised. And when you've got a cast like that, when you're working with Bruce Stern and Tom Hanks and Terry Fisher, you don't really have to worry about whether or not the actors can do that. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And then, yeah, too, like Jerry Goldsmith uh, did the score and it's it's one of his real better 80 scores, too. 
Um, so that's always nice to, to see like Jerry Oldsmith and uh, Joe Dante working together because they did Gremlins as well. And of course, uh, the legendary Dick Miller shows up in a funny cameo as a garbage man as well. Oh, yeah. With uh, I think it's Robert Picardo's with him, yep. too. Another regular. And that's one of the reasons that we're doing this show for everyone right now is because you can recapture a lot of these films that you may not have seen or haven't seen since their original run. And I think The Burbs is an excellent film to rediscover. And I know you would agree with me on that, Amanda. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, one film that uh, I definitely want to mention as well. It's become kind of iconic for the image of a guy holding a boombox over his head in the air, and that is Say Anything.
say anything more of a character story than a high school movie and more of a love story than anything else uh not only is uh, john cusack and island sky uh great in this so is john mahoney in a supporting role as uh her father really this film uh captures sort of a uh, a moment in time very well it's funny it's dramatic and it's well worth recommending. If you haven't seen Say Anything in a while, I would highly recommend that one. Yeah, and I, I do want to see that again too because it's been a while. And I remember Lily Taylor was really good in it too. Yes, yes. she's uh, <laughs> She steals a few scenes in that as well. So what have you got for us there for another choice, Amanda? Oh, this is one uh, that I watched today, actually. The War of the Roses. Oh, This is the most romantic day of my whole life. This is the story we're going to tell our grandchildren. Barbara and Oliver Rose. Wait a minute, wait, 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 what's your name? Barbara! They met great. I love rain. God, I love it too. They agreed on that. Were you happy? I'm more than happy. I'm married. This house is so beautiful. And we live here. House, car, boy, girl, puppy, kitty. The poor bastards never had a chance. Your crystal is lovely. Back around. I didn't know anything about this before I met Oliver. <laughs> My mother bought her glasses at the AMP, you know, the kind with the raised. It always starts with the little things. And that phony laugh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, all right. Yeah. Maybe overdid it. Let me have it. If love is blind, now I got you. Marriage is like having a stroke. <laughs> when I watch you eat. When I look at you lately, I just want to smash your face in. Smash my face. I want a divorce. You can't have one. When a couple starts keeping score, there is no winning. It's only degrees of losing. I 
am the one who found this house. I bought everything in it with my money. It's a lot easier to spend than it is to make it, honey bun. You might not have made it if not for me, sweet cakes. Never underestimate her as an adversary. Don't even talk to her, bitch. Scum. Filth. The yellow areas are mine. The red areas are hers. This seems rational to you both. I got more square footage. These people are going to hurt each other. Get out of the car, hon. When trouble begins, it comes at you from directions you'd never expect. We haven't passed any point of no return. I have. Sorry, I thought you were Barbara. Michael Douglas. Nobody who makes pate this good can be all bad. Kathleen Turner. That depends on what the pate is made of. And Danny DeVito. Sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? The War of the Roses, directed by Danny DeVito. Coming this Christmas. Directed by Danny DeVito, and it reunites him with uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner from uh, *Romancing the Stone* and *Jewel of the Nile* that they they did. Yep. Um, but that's the movie that basically it's about this couple that fall in love. They have like the perfect love story, and then they turn into like basically jerks, and they have a horrible divorce. <laughs> and um, but it's a very dark comedy. Yep. And. And I think, oh yeah, and, and uh, James L. Brooks produced it. It is definitely a, a dark charcoal, dark comedy, and it gets more and more extreme as it went along. Um, I would say watching this as a teenager, this may have uh, caused me some hesitancy toward getting married. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because uh, it's definitely not a pro-marriage film <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it is a film that is extremely entertaining. And again, uh, we seem to be focusing on a little bit of dark humor as we're kicking off uh, 1989. Most of the films we've talked about have a little bit of an edge to them. But I like that, Amanda. It's working well. Yeah, no, actually, I think it's probably a theme. But oh, yeah. So some of the like War of the Roses is just really like just just they're horrible people. It's great fun to watch it. Mm -hmm. And then so yeah, so Danny DeVito also acts in it, like not only directs it and he's like he plays his lawyer. And I wrote down this line because it was a pretty good line because I because James L. Brooks produced it and then Dan Castaneda is like who does Homer Simpson's voice. Right. Um, is uh, in the, the, the seat of uh, talking to um his lawyer and then uh, Danny DeVito says like kind of as a warning like Dan Castellano is coming to him to get a divorce and he's like wait right are you sure you want to get divorced let me tell you the story <laughs> and and then he's like when a man who gets paid $450 an hour wants yeah. to tell you something for free you better listen <laughs> <laughs> no it's true he plays a, a divorce lawyer there and the film is bookended by his conversation with Dan Castellano at the beginning and at the end and I thought that structure was a very solid way of doing the film, kind of intending it as a warning and yet an entertaining warning and a, a slightly dark and twisted warning. Uh, Kathleen Turner commands the screen so well. Uh, she kind of burst onto the scene with uh, body heat and her performance in War of the Roses is every bit as good as Michael Douglas's intense uh, performance as well. And watching these two, they're perfectly cast at that point in 1989 as this couple they're riveting you can't take your eyes off them. yeah and they have very good chemistry 
Absolutely. So yeah, War of the Roses is definitely another great choice here, Amanda. You are not letting me down on the 1989 choices, and I knew you wouldn't. I think this is great. And uh, like I say, we've been majoring in dark comedies, and uh, so I might as well keep going with that. Uh, there's uh, certainly one more that I that I definitely wish to mention. I had the great, great pleasure uh, on my show to chat with uh, veteran director Ted Kotcheff, who, of course, uh, directed The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz, as well as uh, First Blood and uh, many other films. But in 1989, uh, he directed the comedy Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs>
weekend at Bernie's, which of course became a very famous comedy. And the funny thing is it wasn't really a smash hit when it came out, but it was definitely one that got kind of taken into the cultural le lexicon and, and TV shows were making fun of it. And there was references to it and there was a sequel and it ended up being, it, it's actually quite a fun film to watch. And uh, Ted Kotcheff not only directed the film, but also had a quick cameo in it as Jonathan Silverman's father, who surprises him on a date uh, in uh, in his apartment there. <laughs> oh, and, is he the one who's like pretends to be his butler? Yeah, that's and that's director oh. Ted Kotcheff. And uh, he apparently the actor didn't show up that day. So Ted, so the actor suggested that he just go ahead and play it himself. And he did. And uh, it's it's quite a funny role. And uh, but the movie itself is very amusing, surprisingly so. It's a, essentially a one joke movie, but they they play it to the hilt, and uh, it en it ends up being entertaining all the way through. Wouldn't you say so, Amanda? Yeah, and and that's yeah, I definitely saw that in the theater. Um, definitely like loved Andrew McCarthy in there. Like he was so funny. Um, and then too, they remember there was one scene on they're, they're on a roof, and there was like tar. Yeah. Like they worked at some place that they discovered. I don't know what they were. Like I, the plot of the movie was so ridiculous. Where they get, <laughs> yes, I, I, I remember what you're referring to. They discover that the uh, boss is laundering money or something, and they're looking through the records on this roof, and the records get covered in tar. So yeah. there's some physical comedy as they're trying to make sure that the proof of, of what's going on is, is visible, and yet the tar is all over the records. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, like I remember thinking like, wow, he's like Andrew McCarthy, like that's just like, like a good comedy beat. You know, he was like a Brat Pack person and he's like, this is the actually funny part. And then too, it's just like, they're carrying a dead body around and what's not to, to like about that. Absolutely. I also, uh, as a young man, I might've been uh, one of the few audience members watching that movie who immediately recognized Catherine Mary Stewart from Night of the Comet as the female lead. Uh, she plays the object of Jonathan Silverman's affection in the film. And uh, yeah, so uh, that was kind of a fun thing for me as well. What have you got next there, Amanda? What do you got coming up? Susan Seidelman's uh, Cookie, which is a wow, movie. Wow, with Peter Falk. That's yeah. awesome. That it's a movie that I remember at the video store um, are like being always wanting to watch it because it's got uh, Emily Lloyd who plays uh, Peter Falk's daughter. Peter right. Falk is like in prison. He's like a he's not a mobster, but he's kind of like some kind of criminal or something. Right. Um, but he goes to jail for this guy. Um, basically, uh, he takes a rap or something. So he's in jail. And then um, his daughter is being like raised by herself. But anyway, Emily Lloyd is on the poster. And she's like, she looks like an 80s kid. And she's got like teenager and she's got like, a she's blowing a bubblegum thing. So I'm like, Oh, this looks cool. But at the time, I'm 10 years old, and it looked like a teenage movie. So you know, it's like, Oh, I want to watch that one day. But I only <laughs> watched it for the first time this, I guess this past year. And it's wow. so good. Uh, so it was written by Nora Ephron and Alice Arlen, but it's also because it is kind of like that mafia movie. It's really because Nora Ephron also wrote My Blue Heaven. So right. I would, I think those two movies would make a good double bill. Um, but <laughs> that's so a fun Cookie, film. That's from uh, the year later, 1990. Yeah. So Cookie opens like with uh, Ricky Lake um, and that Emily Lloyd is the two best friends. And they're just like, I don't know, having shenanigans. And then it's just a fun movie. And then Susan Settlement, she also directed like Desperately Seeking Susan. She's got a really really good style and I'm like I can't believe this movie isn't well more well known and um and too because Peter Falk is like everyone loves him now because Columbo is streaming so like this everyone should watch 
cookie if you can find it it's really good and you know who else is in it jerry lewis it's crazy and diane weiss seriously <laughs> she should have won an oscar she's so good in this movie she's like so she uh so diane weiss is like um i think is she cookie's mom i can't remember she's yeah. a terrific actress but she's really good. Like if you like, I like Diane Weiss and Lost Boys and this movie and Parenthood. She's like, she's the coolest mom ever. Yeah. Um, now, and a trivia note for everyone listening: Diane Weiss actually has two Academy Awards. Uh, she won them both for Woody Allen films. One, uh, Hannah and Her Sisters, and then the other one was Bullets Over Broadway. So she is a phenomenal actress. Like, and it does end with a Kylie Minogue song. I should be so lucky.
Uh, well, you got me there because uh, while I know well uh, well about Cookie and I've seen advertising for it and trailers for it, I've never actually sat down and watched it. So that's one you're recommending for me there, Amanda. Oh, yeah. No, again, that was one I put off and then I'm like, I watched it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really good. Cool. Uh, one film that I saw when I was a kid and I enjoyed it, but I don't think I got into it as much until I became an adult and rewatched it. It's actually a very sweet film. It's a remake of a French film. It's called Cousins with uh, Ted Danson and Isabella Rossellini. Basically, uh, a love story, uh, but it's told in an extended family fashion, taking place a lot at family get-togethers, and there's an enormous cast to it. Uh, it's funny. It's touching. Uh, Ted Danson is perfect as this uh, ballroom dance teacher who kind of can't hang on to her career, and Isabella Rossellini is sort of a dutiful wife who uh, doesn't really trust the man she's married to and they find each other and they fall in love. It's actually quite a sweet film, very touching. And uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I truly enjoyed it. And uh, it's certainly uh, well worth checking out. Did Joel Schumacher direct it? I think he might've. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think he did. You're right. Yeah, he yeah. did. I just, that just popped in my head. I was like, I always, it always throws me because Joel Schumacher does not seem like the kind of guy that would direct this film, but he's, uh, his filmography is, is wide variety of films and, uh, no, he does an excellent job. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's funny. It's touching. It's dramatic. And it's a film that I don't think a ton of people have seen. And I certainly do want to recommend it. So that's Cousins 
uh, definitely worth uh, checking out there. What have you got for us next there, Amanda? The Big Picture. Uh, oh. Which is- with uh, Christopher Guest, I think was his first movie he directed. Wow, and with Kevin Bacon. That's a that's a great choice. I, I've actually forgotten that this film came out in, uh, in 1989. In the chill of the morning, they strike without warning they found you with a crash and a cry of Sieg Heil and Bonsai they surround you you don't have powder to burn make every shot listen good it's time to learn never to fire till you see the whites of their eyes in the the vendors, the thieves, and pretenders are waiting. And they know every type, and they know when you're right for the baiting. If you're not on your toes, they'll skin you alive. Evil lurks, the shadow knows, under the twins and the bows and the white. band from LA doing the whites of their eyes it was directed by Nick Chapman yeah so this one was like a spoof of like film schools I guess basically and just Hollywood in general so Kevin Bacon as like a film student and he wins this award a student film award and then all of a sudden all these producers are and agents are interested in him and Kevin Bacon's like I think he's from the Midwest or something it seems like that and then he just Hollywood uh, takes him over and he loses everything stuff Um, but the fun parts of the movie are basically like the beginning is just like um, parodies of bad student films so there's right. one like, like Jennifer Jason Lee's in it and she's so great like she's like a lovable art goof <laughs> and um, so she wears these like big like uh, crazy hats like with roses all over them and of course her her film is like this quirky little uh, crazy thing where she's just dancing around with like weird music and it's like so great and then then there's like the uh the kid who's uh his dad is an agent so then his short film is like filled with cameos of like i guess his dad's clients like elliot gould and roddy mcdowell (laughs) 
and then but then the but then the movie itself is just horrible like the zooms are bad and it's out of focus so that was great and then the third there's another kid um actually he's played by uh, i forget the actor's name but he was in ahead of the class a uh, dan oh, yeah. schneider yeah um so he's like this trust fund kid who has all this money and he casts himself as some kind of like uh like a pretentious some kind of war film and he puts himself in it <laughs> yeah i think i remember that it's been a while since i've seen the film uh correct me if i'm wrong i believe jt walsh has a great role as kind of a slimy hollywood agent in there as well yeah and uh yeah friend gesture pays his wife is it sharon stone that's in there also um oh um terry hatcher there he is terry hatcher yeah so I yeah there so was like a femme fatale character in there as well and i was wondering if that was stone but yeah terry hatcher as well has an early role there also and that's a again that's a, it's a great choice because a lot of people probably don't even know that film exists and yet it's a real uh almost cautionary tale of selling out uh, yeah. selling out your ideas and your desires and your project and how Hollywood can kind of slowly twist and turn you into into selling out. It's probably still very relevant today, wouldn't you guess? Yeah, it seems like it. And then like, oh, Martin Short's in it. Oh, he's yeah. like a great character. Like, uh, and because Christopher Guest and him were on Saturday Night Live together. So that seems like that was like an extension of that. And like Thomas Hayden Church is in, like, it's so good. Like I do, like that was probably one of the like fun ones to revisit was uh, the big picture. Amanda, do you mind if I move on with actually one of uh, my favorite movies of all time? Oh yeah. Now I actually consider this film to be one of the most well-made films I've ever seen as well and one of the greatest war films i've ever seen and that is glory
Edward Zwick's Glory, uh, which came out in 1989. It's the true story of an inexperienced colonel who leads the first black regiment uh, during the Civil War. And uh, it's also the only film that uh, Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman have appeared in together. It won the Academy Award for Denzel Washington for Best Supporting Actor. But the film is an absolute masterpiece from direction, from editing, from acting to cinematography, music, you name it. Right across the board, this film is striking 10 out of 10. And it's an amazing film that I show to people as an example of, uh, of a really, really terrific film. Uh, this film, uh, All the President's Men from the 70s, there are very few, maybe a handful, half a dozen films that I consider to be almost perfect and Glory is certainly one of them. The entire film is based on letters that this inexperienced Colonel sent back to his family detailing what was happening uh, during this. It's an important history lesson. It's an important film about the human spirit, about triumph, about character, about integrity. There's so many themes going on here. And it's remarkable to think that Matthew Broderick did this just pretty much after, after he did Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's an incredibly powerful film to have such a young actor uh, in the lead. But of course, the real strength uh, is drawn from the supporting characters, Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington, both of whom deliver uh, masterful uh, performances. Carrie Elway's appears uh in the film as well and uh again this is uh this is truly uh an outstanding history lesson but also an incredibly powerful dramatic film uh what's your thoughts on glory there amanda i actually haven't seen it um before. wow yeah i'm hoping i'm making this recommendation strong enough for you to want to check it out Oh yeah, and like I've been like uh, wanting to watch it for a long time. I'm and too, I didn't like Andre Brower is in yep. it from Homicide and uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. I love him, so yeah, I need to watch this for the first time. Yeah, no, Glory is an absolute masterpiece, and uh, for a lot of the people that haven't seen it, it's an absolutely terrific war film. But there's so much more going on in here, and so it's certainly one uh, that I would recommend from the year 1989. Okay, Amanda, where are we going next? I'll go, yeah, I'll keep kind of like with uh, strong African-American acting. Um, cool. like Denzel Washington was in Glory and uh, 1989 was also the year Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing came out. Yeah. And um, that movie, like I haven't, I watched it a long time ago and I wanted to watch, I started watching it again uh, yesterday. As soon as you put it on, you know, this is an important film. Like it's, yeah. it's energetic and it's like Rosie Perez dancing. Like, and also it's a perfect time to watch it because it's summertime. It's set in Brooklyn, New York and it's uh, Danny I Aiello is like this racist Italian pizza uh, store owner and Spike yep. Lee is also accented. He's like works for him as a pizza guy. But yeah, like it, just a great movie. Absolutely. No. And it's a film that uh, I think might have even scared Hollywood a little bit because uh, it is one of the best films of 89. Certainly would be in uh, a lot of uh, top 10, top five lists, what have you. But uh, wasn't recognized, I think are given the kind of recognition that it should have received. And they got that years later, which happens so often with so many different films. Uh, so I do want to recap all of the films that we were discussing. And uh, in no particular order, here are the recommendations that Amanda and I threw out uh, for our 1989 recommendation show. And they are Batman, uh, The Burbs, Heathers, The War of the Roses, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Parents, Dead Poets Society, The Killer, Glory, Do the Right Thing, Uncle Buck, 
the big picture, weekend at Bernie's, cookie, lean on me, sex lies and videotape, say anything, UHF, cousins, and Ghostbusters too. So thanks very much for listening to Ultrasonic Film, and uh, I hope everyone out there has a great week. Take care. And thanks so much for listening to Mondo Hollywood today. I'll be back again next week with a more traditional episode of curated soundtrack music. But I do hope you enjoyed this ultrasonic film episode, which airs right here on Thursdays at 10 p.m. on UMFM. So let's end the show with Public Enemies Fight the Power from Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. And until next time, stay safe and take care. Right here.